0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm privileged and feel very honored to bring the Word again for us this morning. It's something that I don't take lightly as I step up here on a Sunday or whatever day of the week it is. At any time that I take a hold of the Word of God, I don't take that lightly to come before us, before you, and and bring what we believe is God speaking to us. What I sense as a, a lead pastor is a message and a word for us today and right now. I'm honored to do it. I'm excited to do it. I believe our worship this morning has postured us. Your worship will have postured you to be before the throne to be ready to receive what God's word is this morning. Pastor Nathan just mentioned that we've been looking through a series over the last couple of weeks, and today is week number four in our series, Kingdom Come. When was the first time you heard those words, Kingdom Come? Maybe you don't remember them. <laughs> But I can remember they are part of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was something that I remember as a young child growing up in the 70s. um, Praying that prayer in school. Yeah, we prayed it in school. Our Father, who is in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then came this phrase, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I remember as a boy trying to figure out this phrase and how does it fit in. And I thought, okay, we're asking for God's kingdom to come. Should I be listening for like thunder and watching for lightnings right after we say that phrase? But we're we're inviting God's presence, his power, his authority to rule and reign here on the earth. Because he is king, he is Lord. And as we come to this series, that is very much what We want to declare as a church, as a community, may the kingdom of God come here and now. The first week in this series, Pastor Nathan brought a message about the kingdoms at war. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. We know that the kingdom of light has already defeated the darkness. as It has pushed back the darkness. But the enemy who leads the kingdom of darkness still wants to push in and intimidate. Have you felt intimidated this week? The enemy still wants to push in and bully you. Have you felt bullied this week? The enemy still wants to push in and cast fear into your hearts and your minds. I, 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 can, I can identify with this. Just last night as I was prepping a bit more of this message, the thoughts started to overwhelm me of some negative things. And then I, I just whispered a little prayer. Oh, oh, God, you know one of those prayers? Oh, God, not again. And then I heard the words, you don't need to receive them. I was like, yeah, you're darn right. I don't need to receive those words. And I said, those words are not of God. May they be put silent. May they be pushed back. And immediately I was flooded with peace and confidence, boldness, as I approached the throne of grace. So there's two kingdoms at war. I am glad that you're choosing to be a part of the kingdom that has already won. God's kingdom that will take us into all eternity with him. Week number two was the gospel of the kingdom. And Pastor Nathan brought that message as well about speaking about the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ ushers in the freedom and the opportunity for us to enter into God's kingdom. Is there anyone in this room or online who's a part of God's kingdom? If so, raise your hand. You're part of God's kingdom. You've received Jesus Christ as Lord. You know that he's the Savior of your life. If you are here listening in and you're still thinking about it, listen in deeper this morning. Last week I brought in a message, the third one in the series, about where is my place, meaning in the kingdom. Where is my place? And what was the key word that I brought over and over again, that we are citizens in the kingdom. One person was here last week there's an opportunity to go back online, listen to last week's, and then you can do your homework and submit it to me. I will watch for it online. We are citizens in the kingdom of God. Where is my place? As a child of God, I am a citizen in his kingdom. And as we come this morning, I've got a little different title for you. Hang on. We'll come to it in just a moment. But to recognize that kingdom often carries with it words like we sang out authority, power, a champion. What we want is the kingdom of God to, to, to remove any any element of confusion, division, challenge. Are any of those words applicable to what's happening in our world right now? We just need to look to our neighbors to the south and what they've been experiencing in the whole realm of their election. And there's turmoil happening, and you can see it. There's rumors happening. There's a mentioning of, do we have two countries in one geographical space? All things are there, and I'm not going to come and try and figure all that out for you. I'm not going to tell you what color is best, because I, I don't even know. But as I listened to one pastor, one author, express his thoughts in the midst, and, and he is a U.S. citizen, and he just said, you know, yeah, the votes have been cast. The verdict has come in. Well, we need to figure out it's how do we love one another in this day and time? That's what God called us to do. How do we love somebody who's voted differently than us? How do we love somebody who thinks differently than us? Canadians, this still applies to us right here. You know that, right? This is God's message to us of loving one another. Do we have to love? Well, absolutely. You can choose not to love. That's up to you. But if you know the author of love, the one who gave his son that you can't help but love and respond with love for one another. I'm going to pause and pray. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over what's happening in North America. I'm going to pray into us to receive the word this morning. Would you just posture your heart, whatever that looks like, your head, your mind, your thoughts as I pray. Father, you are God. You are champion. We recognize and acknowledge that you have all authority in heaven. And you had all authority on earth. And you, God, gave it to us to walk in your authority. And Father, what we see in you is you modeled that authority by just speaking one word into the void and creation came. You speak one word into chaos and order starts to form. You speak one word into hatred and love starts to soften. Father, we invite you to speak your words to us this morning. We want to hear from you. We want to receive from you. We pray over our neighbors to the south. God, we pray over the nation of the United States of America. And we're not going to be so forward to think that we have it figured out. We're going to turn to you and say, oh God... We're going to do one of those prayers, Lord. May your kingdom come and your will be done in North America and worldwide as you so have planned and desired and envisioned in heaven. We welcome you, God, this morning. Speak to us one word, one phrase, through one message. We're ready to hear from you, Father. Amen. Yeah, wasn't worship good this morning. A new song, Authority. One word from you, and things change on your authority. Your word is true. Things change on your authority. Do you believe that about God this morning? Do you believe that he is powerful enough that through one word, he can change the atmosphere? He can change your life. If you don't know God like that, you're a pretty quiet crowd this morning, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're just wading into this, okay? But if you don't believe that God's that powerful, oh, get into his word, get into his heart, get into a prayer time with him, and let him speak to you. This morning, what I'm going to talk about is this kingdom of God seems like it's upside down. An upside down kingdom. And you may think, well, upside down, I know there's upside down countries right now. And there's upside-down situations in the world right now that are confusing, but how does upside-down relate to the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. Stay with me here. We're going to step into it this morning to talk about how God's kingdom and how it is and how it operates boldly and differently than how we usually or naturally might think a kingdom should exist. Open the word to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. You can use your digital copy, you can use your paper copy, whatever copy it is. I want you to see it firsthand, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to start us off at verse 18. And let me give you some of the context of this chapter where we land in Scripture. Paul, the apostle, is writing to a church in the city of Corinth, and it's called to the Corinthians. That's how this book gets its name. He starts off with some thanksgiving words, and we're going to finish the message on those words this morning. But he moves in and he addresses to this group of people, and he says, I need to talk to you about divisions that you have. You've divided yourselves up and moved yourselves in different areas of the corners of the room, where you positioned yourselves in different ways based on how you interpret what's most important. And then he steps into something that has the title in my version of Scripture called Christ, the Wisdom and Power of God. That's where we're going this morning. Christ, the Wisdom and Power. Verse 18 reads like this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters in the room, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, and not many of you were influential, and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the, and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. As I share this with us this morning about the kingdom of God and bring this scripture to us this morning, it may seem like it's a bit of an upside down uh, explanation. The Apostle Paul talking about uh, the, the message of God being foolishness. But notice the context of what he's talking about. It almost seems like it could be an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It's two similar words, or two opposing words brought together that seem like they, they reveal something together, but they're two different words. Oxymorons are something like virtual reality. <laughs> that's a phrase we hear often right now. Another one is jumbo shrimp. You catch how that's an oxymoron? They mean two different things, but when they come together, it doesn't matter. My shrimp always sh- shrinks on the plate. Original copy original copy. Um, rolling stop. That is actually an oxymoron, and it's against the law, just in case you're wondering. But an oxymoron seems to be what's fitting into this context is Paul's talking about foolishness and, and our belief in God. And you kind of want to say, but Paul, well, what are you talking about? Well, I bring Paul's description into this upside-down kingdom context. This kingdom of God seems very upside down to what we naturally would think a kingdom should look like. Let me give you some context of God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, you bow down to be exalted. In God's kingdom, the greatest in the kingdom must be the servant of all. In God's kingdom, to gain fullness of life, you need to die to self. To be placed in a position of honor, you should take the lowest seat at the table. And the cross, where Jesus died, actually brings us life. This is a kingdom that is upside down. Jesus himself was identified as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's identified as the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How can one person be both? Seems a little upside down. Jesus is described as as one who there is no one like him. He had such authority. He is a mighty one. Read Revelation 19 and it will describe to you what Jesus was like. Very different than sitting with a little child on his knee. Is our kingdom upside down? Is God's kingdom upside down? This kingdom of God that is a kingdom of theocracy. That means there is one ruler, one authority, and it is God. He doesn't consult anybody outside of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that upside down? Doesn't that sound like a bit like a dictatorship? Not when you know God's heart and how God walks it out. God shows up as a servant to all. That's what makes it possible for his kingdom to work. Let me bring you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolishness, is what Paul started with. But if you begin posting that on social media, you haven't finished the sentence. What's the context that Paul's talking about? He said, the message of the cross is foolishness to everyone who is perishing. To anyone who does not know what their eternity looks like beyond this world. Then the message of the cross seems like foolishness. Because what what could the cross do for me? That happened 2,000 years ago. Somebody died there. What could that do for me? But Paul carries on. And he says, but for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Can you see how the cross can look so contradictory? So upside down in what it really means and does for us. What it provided for us, ushered in for us. This is part of God's kingdom. Paul's talking very clearly to those of us who said yes to Jesus and have received salvation then what we are experiencing is the power of God in us to keep us out of hell, but the power of God to give us life here and now on this earth. I'm thankful that the power of God is at work. Paul asks, so where's the wise? Where's the scholars? Where's the philosophers of this age? He's meaning the scribes, the lawyers, the, the brilliant debaters. Where are they right now when we're talking about the power of God? And he makes it clear that there were two sides, the Jews and the Gentiles. And one was looking for miraculous signs. The other was looking for a philosophical answer to give wisdom. But what Paul came and said is, we preach Christ crucified on that cross. It's a stumbling block for some. And it's foolishness for others. But those of us called of God is that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God for all of us. Verse 23. This kingdom may seem a little backwards to you or upside down, and you got to understand it in God's context. Let me give you a little illustration and story, and I don't know if it's fully true because I I couldn't check out the resources in the background to it, but let me give you context, and I think you'll understand. This man who was on his way to heaven had a debate with St. Peter, and he said to St. Peter, Peter, I need to bring something with you. I have a treasure. Please let me bring at least one of my treasures into heaven with me. And the debate went back and forth, and finally Peter's like, okay, you can bring one thing. And so the man thought about it, and he, what does he have? And he had great wealth, and so he collected together his gold collection, and he put it in his, in his backpack, and he put it on, and, and he made his way to heaven. You can see why I can't really tell you that this is true. But it gets you the idea. And when, when the man gets to heaven, and he meets with Peter, and Peter's like, so yeah, so what's in the bag? Like, what was so important for you to bring? And the man reveals. He said, I brought my collection of gold. Peter looks in the bag and he goes, no, that's just pavement. In our kingdom, what looks so valuable in God's kingdom, we're going to walk on as common day, ground and footing. Can you see how we can think kingdom upside down? We grab at wealth. We grab at security. We grab at things here that we think will sustain us. But in God's kingdom, that's just common every day. The stuff that we will walk on. You see, God's kingdom may seem upside down, or is it, are we upside down? And we need to get upside right to understand what's eternal and what the king of glory plans. Let me take you back into 1 Corinthians. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, verse 25. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Get your mind around that verse alone. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. So let's take our wisest man or woman on this earth and let's test their IQ to the very max. And that's just the beginning of God's foolishness, if God can have foolishness. That's what Paul is talking about. He says, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So do it again. Take the strongest man or woman. And as strong as you can be, that's just the beginning levels of God's weakness. And where God goes in his strength in there. You see, we're only just starting to tap into the greater depths of what God's kingdom is about. And that's why I think it seems upside down to us. Look at verse 27. God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the lowly things of the world, the despised things, to turn around and communicate the depth and truth of his heart and his message. He wants to use something that man can't boast in or give credit about. Now, as a teenager, I worked at a youth camp. Uh, I worked at a youth camp every year from the year I was uh, turned 16 right up till I was 23. And I remember being 16, I was a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant, thought I had figured things out. And so, you know, I was here to do good things at this camp. But the, the, the phrase of us as staff, we were called WITs, workers in training. As far as everybody else thought, we were at the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> you had to work your way out of WITdom. <laughs> And so as we were there in this cocky 16-year-old attitude and others treating us as if we were not that valuable, I remember that our work assignment one day was to go and work with the infamous Ron. Now, Ron was known as a jack of all trades. He could do anything. He could repair anything. He was a legend on this campground. And I got picked this day to go work with Ron. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't matter because I was being put together with somebody who was happening. So obviously, therefore, that meant I was happening. So I walked up to Ron with a couple of buddies, and I walked up and said, hey, we're here to work with you. And he goes, so you're the guys with the strong backs and the weak minds. And I thought to myself, did we just get insulted, or was that an encouragement? I, had, I couldn't quite figure it out in my arrogance at the moment. But Ron was the kind of guy that, that kind of leveled the playing field <laughs> and made you feel very equal but made you feel very valued. He was the kind of guy that would turn to me and say, oh, Brian, I could see that God is working in you. And go, my eyes would light up. The infamous Ron sees God in me. And I'm like, really, Ron? And he'd say, sure. God uses the foolish things of the world to accomplish his will. <laughs> and it was so humbling until I got into God's word. And I said, oh, God, pick me. <laughs> Because I want you to be seen, your glory, your presence, to be working through me. It is from heavenly revelation that the kingdom that seems upside down begins to be seen as the kingdom that's set right. The kingdom that we want to walk our lives out to and follow after. God says things to us like, my grace is sufficient for you. Some days I want to say, God, I need way more than grace. I prayed over grace for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and it's still not happening for me. No, that's not the grace he's talking about. My grace is sufficient. My power, Brian, is made perfect in your weakness. Will you receive my grace and let my power turn your weakness into something that will make an impact? You see, the kingdom may seem upside down to us, but the kingdom of God is filled with truth and life we need to discover how to walk it out and live within it. Amen? If you're online with me, say amen in the chat. Let me hear you declare that we need to walk in God's ways. When God's wisdom and grace comes, when the strength of God connects with our weakness, when the wisdom of God connects with our foolishness, then we can begin to experience what kingdom of living is really all about. Friends, kingdom living causes a stirring in your heart that you will feel yourself begin to smile and the warmth of God's love come over you in a moment that you usually would be frustrated and so angry. When the kingdom of God moves on you, you will feel compassion rising up inside of you. When somebody actually hurts hurts you or says something insulting to you, you will feel compassion for them when the kingdom of God is moving in you you have this stirring inside of you that almost may seem like a battle is going on. Like back and forth when when something harmful is done to you, whether it's in word or emotion or text, however it comes across, and part of you will want to react, to defend, to take offense. But when the kingdom of God is operational in you, you will find yourself pushing those feelings back and saying, no, I will not let that. I don't have to receive those words. I want to live as a child of God, as the kingdom of light. And then you will respond and say, Surely this is the Son of God who I put my faith in and believe in. Do you remember the soldiers who guarded Jesus when he was hanging on the cross? They guarded him. They watched him. They listened to people mock him. And do you remember one of those soldiers responded when he saw the compassion of Jesus, the power of God working in that moment. And he responded and he said, surely this man is the son of God. That's an upside down kingdom day for that guy. He went from being a Roman soldier to being a kingdom in God's army. What a day. Friends, kingdom living is not backwards. It's not obsolete. It may appear upside down, I just encourage you to try looking at it from a little different angle and see what God reveals to you. So let me bring this message down for us this morning. What now? What, is the, what does it mean for you? What is the kingdom upside down stuff all about? What do you go and do now? Into a, a time when media is putting spins on things and news is coming out and you don't know if it's fake or if it's real and, and you're wondering how to respond and people are, are, are agitated. And then you also respond with lots of divisions that are happening? What do we do with this kingdom stuff in light of the everyday world we live in? Number one, I'm going to give you two things to walk away with today. Number one is don't use merely human wisdom to understand what's going on. Don't rely on your human wisdom to understand what's going on. If you don't know it, write it down right now, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 should be a verse that you have memorized and hang on to and live by. Trust in the Lord your God with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Don't trust in just what we're hearing and what we're seeing. Come back to the word of God and see what it lines up with. Come back in prayer and listen to the spirit of God speak to your heart. So number one is with this kingdom upside down stuff, don't rely on your human understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And number two, I'll send you away with this, is where Paul goes with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the very next chapter, verse 5. And he let Paul's life be an example for you. 2 verse 5 says, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul said, I have come, not of my own ability, but I came by the Spirit working in my life, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I encourage you to put your faith in God's presence and his power in these uncertain times. I'm going to pray over us, over you, over all of us this morning as we finish this message. And then as we finish, may, you don't need to be, oh, i got to be careful now. Don't be a, in a hurry on the inside to leave this room. <laughs> don't be in a hurry online when the feed finishes this message. Maybe you need to go sit in your car. It's a nice warm day. Maybe you need to go sit outside. Maybe just go out to your balcony and take a big breath of fresh air and say, God, this world seems upside down. May you give me your perspective through your kingdom eyes. I pray out Paul's words that he prayed out over the Corinthians, over each of us. And he said, I always thank God for you. You, the church. You, the ones that Jesus died for. Because of his grace, That is given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. In all of your speaking and in all of your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any good thing. You have every spiritual gift that is given to you through the Lord Jesus Christ as he reveals. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into his fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your life and your power. I thank you for gospel truth that transforms us from death into life. God, thank you that even when our world seems chaotic, we can trust in you with all of our heart, with all of our being, And we will see you bring clarity to your kingdom that has come among us. We praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart. To let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.